Welcome to the Inside Aesthetics podcast. We host real conversations with real experts from around the world. Away from the filtered bubble of social media, our aim is to educate listeners and explore any topic in the cosmetic and wellness space. We also get a unique insight into the business minds of the entrepreneurs and pioneers who have helped shape our industry. This podcast and its related publications provide news and general information about procedures and products. You should seek professional medical advice and assessment before considering any treatment. Our guest today is Nick Dubinin, a business development manager at Advanced Cosmeceuticals. Advanced Cosmeceuticals were established in 2006 and provide premium cosmeceutical skincare and medical grade laser technology across Australia. Nick has been in medical device and capital sales management for over 15 years, with the past six years dedicated to aesthetic medicine and laser technology. With vast experience across a myriad of disciplines, Nick supports his customers with device education, business support and clinical knowledge to help drive sales. How are you? How have you been? How's your morning? Uh, very well. I uh, did a bit of work, went to gym. So yeah, that's pretty much my morning. So what about you guys? Yeah, I've been in training. Jake's fed his thousand children and he's at work now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just the two, but I have been up since five. So it has felt like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what are the ages of the two kids? Uh, my son's 16 months and my daughter's three and a half. So still oh, right. Okay. Very young. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why but, Jake yeah. looks 40, but he's actually 19. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm lucky or unlucky. I'm childless. So that means I have a lot of time for myself. And more money. And more money. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I couldn't imagine the expense of having children. You know, it's hard enough <laughs> looking after myself and my partner, let anyone else. Yeah. Fair enough. So thanks for joining us this morning. I appreciate you taking the time. I understand you're, you're a very, very busy man. Um, but initially I was introduced to, um, your managing director, Catherine, through a friend of mine. And, um, he said, you got to talk to these guys. I've got some amazing products. They're a great company. Um, obviously heard of you guys before, but just to orientate our listeners as to who you are and and your company, could you give us just a little bit of a background about the company and and what you do there? And, um, just a little bit about you. Absolutely. So, um, Advanced Cosmeceuticals has been uh, around for 13 years, I believe, maybe a bit longer. Uh, Managing Director Catherine Biederman established the business at that time. Um, And essentially, there's several different arms to the company. So we have really two distinctive business units. We have the cosmeceutical side um, through distribution of a range of premium brands. And then we have all of the equipment side. So from the cosmeceutical side, we have a whole range of business development managers based across Australia who look after products like Callison Professional, which we'll talk about, um, Medicaid, Mesoaesthetic, Scantivia, uh, Lycogel. So they have several brands in their portfolio. Um, I myself look after the devices. So predominantly looking after Lutronic aesthetic equipment. But in that portfolio, we also have Brera Medical Technologies, which is where Plasmage has come from, uh, Miravex, which is the anterior 3D, um, and several other distinctive um, uh, you know, device manufacturers. So I look after essentially anything to do with equipment, but my primary focus is on Lutronic. Um, but really anything in the portfolio from an equipment side is, is mine to look after. Um, I've been with the company for uh, coming up to a year as in next mu- uh, next week. So I've got my one-year anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And, um, yeah, I've been in the industry, in aesthetic industry specifically for six years um, with companies like Qterra and Luminous in the past. Uh, historically, my very first uh, job as a, a medical device sales manager was with the uh, first Cineron distributorship in Australia before Candela took them over. 
um, which was about 14 odd years ago, uh, and also worked with uh, Endomology, the, the key module the, with a company called C8. So in between there, I did a little bit of respiratory and thoracic medicine, ultrasound, medical chemicals. So, you know, I've sort of um, been in that area for quite a long time. But um, aesthetics is where I want to be, and I'm not going anywhere. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's really where my sort of passion is. So Advanced Cosmeceuticals, very successful, huge team, um, headquartered in, in Perth, um, and, yeah, really sort of there to deliver great products only on the cosmeceutical side and also with equipment. So that's us in a nutshell. How have uh, you guys been during the sort of post-lockdown period? Because from a practitioner's perspective, and I don't know if it's the same in Perth, but I'm pretty sure it is, it's been crazy been very very busy lots of demand lots of new patients so from a commercial and a device perspective well how have you seen things well look um, i'm based in queensland in brisbane so we officially locked down at the end of march so april and may was admittedly quiet as it was i think for the rest of australia but that being said i still sold some lasers some equipment um but come june the world went completely nuts mm. um i don't know what happened but i had the biggest month i've ever had as an individual at, or as a company i mean a bit over nine hundred thousand in sales and 24 devices so it was incredibly busy yeah um and since then it's been really steady so it's been interesting um i've, I've been trying to figure it out with some of my colleagues and my industry peers about what actually happened and I have a few different theories, but um, I think that m maybe people are thinking, okay, well, I can't travel overseas, I can't do this and that or lead my normal life, so I'm going to invest in myself and looking at new different products and treatment protocols. That obviously translate to practitioners needing some equipment so to meet that demand. Um, so I think it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword as to what coronavirus has done for our industry. Me personally, it's been fantastic. Hmm. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say, but, um, you know, selfishly when I'm looking at, you know, selling devices and, and getting, as you said, new customers, um, it's been incredibly successful. Um, and I do think that as, you know, lockdowns and it starts to ease with different states the next few months, that it'll only increase from there. So, yeah, it's been really good. Absolutely. Do you yeah. think? Um, do you think potentially a lot of that's been driven by um, sort of the government stimulus packages in terms of buying assets and equipment for businesses and all the tax sort of benefits that you get from that? Do you think that's had much to do with it? Well, I would have thought so back in June when I was really sort of not aggressively but highlighting that to a lot of customers who were looking at purchasing equipment. I'd say, to be honest, from from June onwards, maybe only twenty percent of my customers have have purchased equipment purely based on getting the instant asset write-off. The rest have just purchased because they wanted the equipment. Um, and it does depend on how much they've purchased you know, in the year um, up to that point and those types of things. Recently, in the last month or so, I've had a couple of customers looking at buying before December again to get that write-off. But, you know, it's probably been not as, um, a drop, as much of a driver as I would have thought, mm. um, um, which yeah. I think. It's a little bit interesting. I mean, this is a unique opportunity that the government's given, uh, you know, practitioners. And I really thought there would have been more of an uptake, but um, not not in not in my particular area anyway. Um, so we'll wait and see. Can you just explain what the instant asset write-off was in sort of layman's terms for people who haven't come across it? Sure. So um, historically, you were able to write off um, capital equipment purchasing up to, I believe it was $30,000 um, per annum. Maybe it was fifty. It was around about that figure. So what the government did, obviously, to assist you know, um, the uh, business world is increase that to $150,000. 
So essentially, you could buy, you know, a laser, for example, for $149,000 before June 30. um, And then come July, you can actually put that in with your tax and then get all the tax benefits from that purchase immediately rather than having to depreciate the asset over several years. Yeah. So it meant that you would be able to, you know, sort of have 50% of that $149,000 back as part of your tax immediately. Um, so it was a good incentive. Then the government turned around and said, well, let's extend it to December 30. So that's where they have another tranche of 150000 available. Um, so I've heard that next year it's obviously all going to cease, um, but that's really in a nutshell, not having to depreciate assets and getting your tax back straight away. So it is a good incentive. Mm. Well, I guess all of these uh, increase in demand for people buying equipment is being driven by consumers wanting to have treatments. And it's a bit of a phenomenon when you have these sort of situations where you've got I guess, economic downturn or you've got stress in the economy, especially with the lockdown as well, people not being able to go on holidays and trying to conserve funds, feeling quite negative about, you know, just the state of the world. People tend to turn to cosmetic treatments to make themselves feel better. I think it's referred to as the lipstick economy. So I think that that, uh, that's probably the phenomenon that we're talking about, but uh, I guess we'll just wait and see how long that actually lasts. Hopefully it's, uh, it's it's here for a while. Well, put it this way, I think whilst international borders are closed, that's going to be a big differentiator for our industry and the, and the spend. Um, I mean, me personally, I was meant to be in the Caribbean and Mexico and America in November spending right. $20,000, $25,000 odd on this trip. So that's essentially money that I've saved. Yeah. What am I going to do with it is, you know, something for myself, if not my family. And I think mm-hmm. that's been reflected hugely in the market from what I've mm-hmm. seen anyway. So I completely agree with you. We just mm-hmm. have to wait and see. Um, but I think that our industry, surprisingly, is, is really quite robust in times of economic stress. Um, and it's a bit of a strange phenomenon, but one that I'm quite happy with. So we will <laughs> wait and see what happens. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Sucks to be in tourism, but great to be in cosmetics right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I think, look, from, from what I've noticed is, uh, you know, doctors, practitioners are really looking for um, you know, devices and equipment, which um, obviously is a little bit different, probably a little bit more advanced technology is what I'm hearing in the market. And, you know, again, they, they want systems which have very little downtime, you know, lunchtime laser facial type treatments is what really is driving a lot of the purchases that I've been seeing. Um, so, again, I think that that's going to continue at least for the remainder of the year. And then into 2021, I think we'll just have to wait and see. Um, what happens with, uh, you know, job seeker, job keeper situation, borders, all those things are going to be, um, you know, playing into the game. Yeah. Nick, your um, customers down in Melbourne and Victoria, I mean, for those listening abroad, Melbourne's uh, still, well, it's been in a second lockdown for a couple of months now and they're still in it. What, what are they saying? I mean, do they have any optimism or are they, you know, obviously understandably quite worried about the viability of their businesses? It's a good question. I think, look, I look after New South Wales specifically for the company. So I've noticed there's been a a slight downturn, I guess, in the amount of interest and purchases. But that being said, it's still been um, quite good. And there's a lot of optimism in New South Wales purely because of the the lack of the stringent lockdown that Victoria has been having. So I've still been getting some some great, um, you know, traction and, and, um, you know, opportunities down there. Victoria, again, is is very quiet, as, as you'd expect. 
Um, my colleague down there um, only started just shortly before the lockdown happened, which was really unfortunate timing. Mm. That being said, though, what we found is people in the lockdown states are really using that time to research, um, do their due diligence on their business, do some more clinical learning and start to think about what they can do once they are going to reopen to differentiate themselves or, or, or what can they do differently. Um, so I have seen that there's been still a lot of interest in Victoria for devices and for products. Um, uh, and again, I think they're using that time for those type of activities more than anything else. But for New South Wales, for me, I'd say it's maybe, you know, 25, 30% down on what I would expect. Mm -hmm. um, Queensland has been very buoyant. Um, Victoria is, you know, significantly less. Um, but even then, I'm still seeing some interest. I had a, a dermatologist I've been working with um, down there for the last few months who contacted me yesterday saying, I want to buy an RF microneedling device. What have you got? Hmm. Um, we had a, we have a, an offer at the moment for our infamy, so you know, she'll more than likely be going ahead with that. So that's, that's during lockdown. Someone is still looking to buy equipment. So, you know, it, it, it always surprises me. There's no cookie cutter for this at all. So, yeah. And why are you so passionate about aesthetics? You mentioned it earlier that you're here to stay. What, what, why is it so exciting for you? Look, from a personal perspective, it's, it's good as you're in your mid to late 40s to have <laughs> products and cosmeceuticals. Um, that, that's obviously part of it. But I don't know, when I first uh, had my first aesthetic job and I really understood laser physics and tissue interaction, I just fell in love with it. It's one of those strange things where, yes, I sell equipment, that's my job, but I get a real kick out of a doctor, a cosmetic physician buying a piece of equipment, using it on patients and getting that amazing feedback that this is fantastic, it's transformed this patient's life. I mean, I get a real buzz out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know, it's, it's everything and everyone in the business. You know, you go to conferences and you see, you know, the plethora of, of humanity, which I kind of love. Um, That's I don't a very know. nice way of putting it. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the good and the bad and everything in between. Um, and look, and to be honest, I'm a bit of a competitive person. So, um, you know, having that sort of, you know, highly defined competitive market from uh, the laser manufacturer perspective, I really enjoy as well. Um, but I think there's a big selfish component. I want to be in it so that I can get some treatments, um, you know, with... <laughs> <laughs> with, um, with advanced cosmeceuticals, I've, I've opened up my eyes to the, the cosmeceutical world, which I knew nothing about. Um, I won't even tell you what products I was using before I started because everyone used to get really angry with me. So now I'm using some Calisum and Medicaid and these aesthetic products. And it's people said, oh, you know, what treatments have you had? And I've said, zero, this is just skincare. So oh. it, it really changed my perspective on what proper skincare can do. Um, and again, look, I like to look and feel good. I'm 46 now. So, you know, yeah. trying to start reversing the time. Yeah. You know? Exactly. So, well, yeah. this isn't a sponsored episode, but your skin's looking great. So whatever you're doing, carry on. <laughs> well, it's Calisum mostly and um, some really good, um, both Medicaid and aesthetic products, but mostly Calisum. Yeah. Um, it's really changed the tone and the texture of my skin, the fullness of my skin. Um, you know, it's not acted as a depigmentation type of a product, but it's just evened everything out. So it's um, been noticeable. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's one of the products we were going to talk about today. And it was actually a third on the list, but seeing as though we've already sort of started talking about it, I guess it <laughs> makes sense to, to sort of continue on and start with Callisum. So 
I guess for the listeners that aren't familiar with the product, and um, certainly it's something that, that Jake and I um, weren't familiar with before we started um, researching, having a discussion with you, um, but just to sort of put it in simple terms, I guess, to start off with, um, what is Callison? Like, can you just explain, you know, exactly what it is, you know, what's in the range and so on? Absolutely. So, Callison Professional is the name of the, the range. Um, it's actually developed by a Singaporean-based company, um, and we have the, the sole distribution here in Australia and New Zealand. So, essentially... Um, what they use is active stem cell proteins, which are derived from the umbilical cord lining of red deer. Okay. <clears throat> so essentially, as we found out, red deer have a biocompatibility to humans of 99%. So we are more like a deer than an ape, um, which I found wow. slightly interesting. Yeah. So essentially what they do is they, um, they extract the stem cell um, proteins from the umbilical cord lining they then infuse that into a conditioned media. So that conditioned media is a mix of cytokines and proteins. Um, think of it like this. Essentially, they get the, the active stem cells. It's like um, putting a tea bag into a glass of hot water. The conditioned media is the hot water. The stem cells is your tea bag. And then essentially, it, it infuses and leaches all the proteins into the conditioned media. And it's this um, active condition media mix of proteins and stem cells, which is the basis of the Callison professional range. Um, so it's, it's quite unique in that way in that you have different animal stem cells or plant stem cells in the market, whereas with this, it's, it's very biocompatible to, to human tissue. Um, and it's a unique way of extracting and, and uh, utilising the actual um, active stem cell proteins. Um, with the actual range, there's only four products, which I find quite quite good. Uh, some of the other ranges have 30, 40 products. It can be really confusing. So essentially they have um, uh, four key products, the first one being a professional serum. So this is a serum that you would use immediately after IPL, chemical peels, laser treatments, microneedling, anything like that. Uh, what it does essentially um, immediately uh, speeds up the healing and the recovery process. So you, you see a decrease in erythema and edema. You see a decrease in the tightness of the skin post-procedure. This particular product has 80% of the active stem cell conditioned media. Um, then you have two moisturizing type um, products, uh, the multi-action cream, which is more like a corrective type of a product. And then you have the restorative hydration cream, which is more of a hydrating moisturizer type product uh, both of them have about 45 to 50 percent of the active stem cell conditioned media um, in the actual products and lastly you have a night recovery complex um, which again is about the 45 to 50 percent mix so how it works from a clinical perspective is you know using the professional serum in clinic immediately after any sort of resurfacing or treatment you have that that really um, nice effect for the patient and also it then um, intensifies over a period of time. The patient would use that for the next couple of days uh, post-procedure. With the two moisturizing or hydrating creams, they're essentially used as the first layer. So it's a little bit different. Like when I use my multi-action cream, I put it on of an evening and then I put on my Reservatrol or my vitamin A or my night recovery complex. So it's used really as a base. And what it does, it, ass it assists the penetration of your actives into the target cells, into the um, epidermis and the dermis. Um, and then you have the night recovery complex, which can be used separately or in conjunction with your other products. I'm going to jump in and ask a very basic question, Nick, because that was an amazing summary. Where the, how do you get umbilical stem cells from a deer? 
Okay, well, um, essentially we have a farm, or there's or Callison have a farm in New Zealand. Um, and so when the, I'm assuming, when, when the deer is born, um, then you have the essentially the waste material, which is the umbilical cord lining, and that comes out of the placenta. Um, and that is what is then extra, um, utilised and, and captured taken to the lab and then they do their process of extracting the actual stem cells. So um, I probably don't know much more about the process of, of that side of it, um, but that is where they actually come from, is the, uh, the umbilical cord lining. Yeah. I was actually, I, I was being a bit sneaky there. I did watch a video this morning with Mitchell Gold. He was the sort of the developer of the product. Is that right? That's correct, yes. And he said it was all, uh, I think the word he used was um, free-range deer, so it's all very ethical, and of course, the, n nothing is killed or, or sort of anything like that. It, as you said, it's sort of the byproduct of, you know, baby deers being born, and then they just take the umbilical cord and the placenta, and they take the stuff from there. So you know, any, anyone who's sort of wants to be ethical about their skincare, that that, that was the backstory. And look, and that, that is a question I've had a few times asking about, um, you know, what happens with the actual deer. But you're right, it, it is all ethically done. Um, so, look, I, I believe they're very happy over there and we're just, we're just taking something which they don't need anymore and making yeah. it into great skincare. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something about there are products on the market that use plant stem cells. Why would they bother doing that? Because that's not going to help animals, surely. Very good question. And uh, the short answer is we don't know. Um, when I was doing my training with Xavier, the managing director of Callison, um, you know, basically he said there have been some in the past. Um, we can't really use human stem cells, obviously, because of you know, TGA regulations and those types of things. So having uh, a product which is as close to human compatibility as possible is important, but a plant would stem cell really wouldn't do anything to human tissue. Um, and I think it's a bit more of a gimmicky thing that's been in the market for a little while, to be honest. So but to answer your question, I, I don't know why you would use a plant stem cell uh, on a human for, for skin care, but they've been in the market for a bit of time. What conditions is the callison range sort of, you know, suggested for? Um, it's really for anyone who is, we'll put it this way, it's really for anyone looking for, um, you know, active products. So what, what it really does, it increases the thickness of the skin um, by up to 600%. Um, so, you know, it's really for anyone who's looking at having a higher production or higher cell turnover. It actually really sort of signals uh, the, you know, the fibroblast when they're producing collagen and elastin, you know, in the epithelial and the um, mesenchymal cells actually start mm. to act like um, a younger uh, skin. Uh, so there's a cell turnover of up to 28 days rather than 45 to 50 days as we age. So it's really for anyone um, who wants to correct um, any sort of um, you know, uh, irregularities in the skin. It's very good for um, plumping and firming the skin. Um, and obviously the, po the, the professional serum is really what we'd use, again, to decrease redness and erythema and tightness post-procedure. So it's, um, it's essentially used for those types of things. Yeah. And what's the sort of price range like? It sounds, sounds like it would be expensive. You're harvesting deer, you've got a farm, uh, we're talking stem cells. I mean, <laughs> am I going to have to sell a kidney to buy this stuff so I've got good skin? Or, like, what are, we, what are we talking about in terms of price? Well, hopefully you have two kidneys so you can... Yes. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, but look, it, it's not the cheapest of product ranges. Um, right. the, the RRP for the range is anywhere, I believe, 
from around about um, you know two fifty to four fifty dollars. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know it, it, it's significant. Um, but that being said, the products do you only need a very small amount um, when you do actually use them. Um, yeah. And if you position it more as the, the higher end type of a cosmeceutical, this wouldn't be your, your, your stock standard uh, baseline range for a, a practitioner. This would be something that would you would use um, as a point of difference or a more advanced type of a skincare. So um, I luckily um, don't have to pay RRP pricing for my products, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but even then, when I have to pay, sometimes I look at the bill and I go, geez, okay, that's, that's a bit of money, but... Um, I'm not going to stop using it. It's it's too too good for my skin. Yeah, so, yeah. And is this something that's um like a doctor's only, or do you I mean do you do you sell this to nurses or sort of uh, I guess sort of uh, beauty clinics? Like who who are you targeting that targeting uh, it at? To be honest, we don't really target on the beauty med spa type of uh, a sector with this product. This is more your you know dermatologist, plastic surgeon, cosmetic physician, doctor mm. type product. Um, I mean, put it this way, in a nutshell, really anyone can can use it and to sell it, but we're a little bit selective as to where we place it. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that you have to have a practitioner who really understands, you know, skin and what they're doing and obviously mm. being able to charge the price point of what mm. the products actually um, cost to purchase. So it's not really in that beauty area at all. Yeah. Um, and, and again, look, I'm not I'm up to speed as to all the different accounts we have. That's not my side of the business. Sure. But the ones that I do know of have been into doctor practices. Yeah. Mm. What does it um, look and feel like? A lot of people, you know, put a lot of onus on, you know, texture and, and how oily or how watery it is. Like, what, what does it feel like the products that you're using? Is it like a traditional cream? Uh, the, the moisturizing creams are. So the professional serum being the post-procedure, that's more like a liquid. Mm-hmm. So it comes in a little uh, vial. It's, it's, it's pink, essentially, because it doesn't have any colors or um, additives or anything like that. It, admittedly, it does smell quite proteiny or quite protein-like because it is 80% active stem cell proteins. Mm-hmm. So it just goes on like a liquid. You only need a few drops and you've covered the face. Um, you know, that, that's about it for that one. For the multi-action cream and the hydrating cream, the multi-action cream is more for your normal to dry, uh, normal to oilier skin, uh, which is why I use it being of European background. I don't need extra hydration. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, put it this way, it, it, it's quite thick, um, but it does have uh, a neutral fragrance. And when you put it on, um, again, a little bit will, would spread over your whole face and neck really quite easily. The restorative hydration cream has some aloe and has some more hydrating ingredients in it. So it, again, it's a, a lot more um, has a lot more viscosity about it, um, and it, I guess it would be a little bit more of that that hydrating, moisturising type of the cream. Uh, the night recovery complex is really my favourite of the whole range because um, again, it's it, it's it does smell a little bit proteiny as well. It doesn't have any fragrance in it, but um, it's very smooth, um, very very viscous. So only a little bit will cover very very easily um so really all of them you don't really need to use much at all um and they have more of a neutral type of a, a fragrance and a feel to the, what a lot of cosmeceuticals would have that's the best way mm-hmm. to put it and, and again a couple of them do have that that's quite um protein smell because of the actives um mm. again it's interesting because you're putting especially the uh, multi-action cream and the hydrating cream on as a base um, you know, you don't really need any of those extra fragrances. And when you mm. put your, say, your, you know, uh, vitamin A or vitamin C or whatever on afterwards, that, that sort of takes over. 
um, if that makes sense. So mm. they're just nice products to use. And is there any um, sort of contraindications as to times when you sort of wouldn't use it or any particular type of skin types or conditions where you just sort of steer away from it? Well, it's a good question. As far as I know, no. Um, I guess someone with maybe contact dermatitis or some sort of irritated skin, you probably wouldn't want to use anything that's too active on there. Um, but as far as I'm aware, it's um, suitable for skin types one to six. Um, and because it really is used as a type of a, a corrective type of a, a line, um, you know, anyone who has some, you know, complicated skin or they have some, you know, again, some pigmentation, some sagginess. I mean, what I've noticed is that it's actually really helped with my nasolabial folds. Not that they were prominent, but it's really softened completely. So it has that sort of lifting effect as well. So really, I think it would be suitable for anyone. Be anyone. honest. Have you had some fillers as well? Be honest. No, I've never had fillers. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely through from my disport, as you can see. Um, but no, I've never had filler anywhere on my face. So this um, really, the, the callosum has made a big difference. I was starting to get very slight uh, noticeable folds, but they're all completely gone. So mm. you're looking good, like I said. Now, my friend Sophie Schotter, she's a doctor in the UK in London. She's an um, aesthetic doctor as well. And she's using the Pro Serum for hair loss, which I find interesting. So rather than using PRP, which a lot of people use and, you know, sort of um, injecting or microneedling it in, she's using the Pro Serum. So she does sort of, I think she does six weeks, once a week. And she's actually not only got some amazing photos, but she's done hair counts. So she can wow. prove that the hair is actually growing rather than just being a bit thicker. So do you have any experience with that? Anyone doing that in Australia? Uh, not personally, but I'm sure people would be using it um, who do actually have the line in clinic. Um, again, it's not something which I'm completely aware of, but I do know that that is definitely an indication for the professional serum. Um, yeah. Again, because it does increase that cell turnover significantly. So it makes sense that it would actually help with the hair restoration type of the treatments. And being such a, a highly concentrated um, stem cell protein mix with the conditioned media at 80%, it's almost pure protein and pure stem cells going into the actual micro wound, say after you know, mm. micro needling or, or for whatever else. So that, that makes complete sense to me. But again, personally, I haven't used it. I think I've got enough hair. So, <laughs> David, we'll will you out again. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to ask, what about um, people with acne? Um, how does this sort of product interact with that? Could it potentially make it worse or, it, you know, potentially help? Is there any benefits to using use it and when you've got that sort of condition? That's a really good question. So what it actually does and what I experienced was um, I don't really get breakouts for the first month. I had some quite significant uh, pimples and um, come up, and that's because my skin was purging, essentially, um, to the point where I had a, put it this way, the protocol is that's normal, happens in, I don't know, 20, 30% of people. Um, you just avoid the area but continue using the product, um, and then your skin does sort of normalise and get used to, you know, the, the increased cell turnover that the product's actually doing. Mm. Um, to answer your question about um, active acne, um, you can use it on those actual active pustules. But again, if you see a flare-up or an increase in the production of the, the acne or the sebum, then um, you just avoid the area. But you can still use it on the remainder of the face. Um, so really, you can still use it on those types of conditions, but it's just um, with, with caution and see how you go when you actually start to use it. But again, it's quite common for normal skin to have those breakouts. 
and I certainly did, and I haven't had really, um, you know, a big pimple for years and years. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how it works. It's very powerful stuff. The, the other area that I saw that looked interesting was sort of post-laser, uh, potentially even post-surgery. I don't know if there was any evidence about post-injectables, but sort of actual helping healing rather than just skin rejuvenation. What, what are your colleagues using it for in that perspective? Exactly, that it speeds up the healing process more than anything. So you see a significant um, decrease in any sort of um, redness post, say, resurfacing or microneedling. Um, definitely a reduction in any edema as well. Um, so that, that is the main purpose of, it, of the professional serum is to use the post-procedure for redness swelling and to decrease downtime. Mm. It also is really nice when you have that sort of tightness effect after a procedure, maybe even the next day, to continue to use the product because it does then have that, that high sort of moisturizing component with uh, the conditioned media and it does sort of help boost the skin's renewal and um, recovery process. So absolutely fantastic to use after any type of treatment. Post-injectables, you certainly can if there's, you know, maybe some bruising or anything like that, but it's normally used for post-microneedling, laser, chemical peel, IPL, those types of things. Yeah. Can you give, I mean, it's a bit of a loose question, but sort of how how much better is the skin? Is it sort of a 50% improvement in healing time or is it varied depending on the, the mode of treatment? It does vary on what type of treatment has been uh, undertaken by the patient, but we see a 50 to 70% improvement. 50 to um, 70, wow. It's significant. Um, we have a lot of split face um, clinical photos of the actual results, and it is at least yeah, 50 to 70%, especially for redness. The, the decrease in the redness is, is marked. Um, and, you know, especially really the redness and the edema are the two things which we see the biggest increases um, by using the product. But, yeah, you're looking at at least 50% improvement. Which, yeah. is, um, which is quite good, yeah. Yeah, because for people who I try and uh, refer to dermatologists for things like ablative laser, the absolute no-no for them is the downtime. They're just, you know, they can't afford two weeks off work or with social downtime. So, yeah, maybe there's something in it. Yeah, I mean, put it this way, if someone goes in for a really aggressive fractional CO2 resurfacing, um, you know, this will definitely assist in the first couple of days post-procedure. But, you know, ultimately they're still going to have that one week of downtime as their skin repairs. Um, the advantage of the product is you can you know, use it for the day of and the next day, but you can also get another vial from your practitioner and then continue to use it for three to four days. Yeah, absolutely. There's no sort of, okay, you've used it for two days, that's enough type of a protocol. You can continue to use it to get that reduction and that uh, acceleration of the healing process. So, so that's a good point. So, so you're saying that patients wouldn't normally take home the prof the professional serum. That's for in use in the clinic. Uh, what normally happens is we'd use say half the vial in clinic, and then the patient would take it home with them. Okay. So we'd use it then again that evening, and then again the next morning. But some practitioners would, would say, okay, you know, here's an extra vial, so then you can use that for say day three, four, five to continue that healing process before then going on to what would be recommended as your standard post-resurfacing protocol uh, for healing. Yeah, so makes a big difference. Mm. So perhaps um, now we should move on to plasmage. Um, is, that how you, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. I pronounce it? Yep. So 
every time I log on to Instagram, I'm seeing some ad for someone with one of these bloody plasma pens, um, putting little dots all over their face, claiming that they're like lifting their lip or their eyebrow. Um, I know Jake's experimented with a couple of these kind of devices before. I'm not really sure whether they're all hype. Are they safe? Are they dangerous? Who should be using them? Um, so I've got a lot of questions and a lot of, I guess, uh, curiosities around the validity of these products and and um, how safe and effective they are. So um, I guess with that in mind, could you tell us a little bit about this product and how it works? And, and I guess we can start delving into those deeper questions once we uh, get this little bit of intro out of the way. <laughs> Absolutely. So Plasmage is manufactured by Brera Medical Technologies. They're an Italian company. Uh, we've actually been distributing them for several years here in Australia. So it's, it's the world's first patented fractional plasma. So plasma being um, you know, the fifth state of, of, of energy. So it's essentially using an electrical current um, to cause a, a micro wound to the epidermis. That's essentially what it's doing. So by doing that, then obviously you're, you're um, causing the wound response, which is what gives you that lifting and that tightening effect. Um, being fractional, um, we actually obviously don't sort of ablate or uh, put the, the, the plasma onto the tissue sequentially. We leave a little bit of a gap, which is why you see those dots. Um, and that really is, again, to speed up the healing process. Um, the main usage of it are, are several. So again, for tightening, Really nice for wrinkle reduction. You can use it for actual active acne and acne scarring, uh, surgical scars, hypertrophic scars, and maybe not a keloid, but those type of you know mature type of scars. Um, lentigos, fibromas. You can use it for warts. Um, a lot of the indications would be for um, non-surgical uh, blepharoplasties, both upper and lower lids. That's a really nice popular application for the device. Um, there is a little bit of uniqueness about the plasmage. So it's not a plasma pen per se, like some of the handheld ones, which you know do have their advantages. They, they still have an adequate amount of power that you can deliver. Um, this is like a, a small uh, uh, box, I guess, or a small unit that sits on the actual table with the actual plasma um, handle coming out of it. But what, you like, what I like about it is you can use it in fractional mode and you have six different uh, levels of fractionation, sorry, four different levels of fractionation and six levels of intensity. So you can really adjust how you're going to be actually delivering the plasma. You can use it also in continuous mode, more like a brushing type of uh, protocol, again, for more of a tightening effect, or again, in the fractional mode. So you have 30 different modulations or, or, or ways of using the actual plasma energy. So it's a lot more versatile than your stock standard handheld plasma device. So, Nick, for those people who, you know, have never seen this uh, or a photo or a video, so it's a handheld device with a, almost looks like a big fat pen, and then at the end of the pen there's like a metal tip that contacts the skin? So it doesn't actually contact the skin. So you're about a millimetre off. Yeah. Um, and so, because if you were to contact the skin with the needle, you would just cause an ablative cut. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, but you're about a millimeter off, and when you hit fire, um, it essentially creates the plasma arc, which yes. causes the micro wound into the epidermis. Yeah. And so, who is this aimed at? Is it doctors, nurses, therapists, derms? Like, who, who, who are you selling it to? Uh, mostly the doctors and derms and, and cosmetic people. I mean, the main reason is you need to use topical. 
So, um, you know, a lot of, say, beauty or med spas wouldn't have the ability to have access to topical anesthesia. You absolutely do need that for these treatments. Yeah. So this really is is for everyone. There isn't sort of um, a market segment where we just say, okay, this isn't applicable. But you have to be really cautious because, you know, using a fractional plasma um, in the incorrect way could cause some really serious damage. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's an ionized electrical current that's being delivered to the skin so we have to be cautious about it so the, the short answer is anyone can purchase it where we're seeing it is more in that high-end medical area ones that are actually um getting the device and using it well and predominantly that is because of the topical that rules a lot of people out um yeah. and there's no way you would ever do it without it yeah yeah i had a play a couple of years ago not with plasmage but a couple of other you know plasma pens so maybe they were slightly different but I don't know. I'm. I guess I didn't do enough of them to to get a clear idea of you know what was the result and and what was I actually doing because obviously on the day you've just got multiple little sort of burns on the skin and you know there's quite a bit of downtime where they've sort of got, got to go home looking a bit strange. So, what's your experience of your practitioners who are using it for eyelids? Because that's what a lot of injectors were sort of interested in the product for. Like, who's a good candidate and what are the results like? Uh, look, one of, one of the things that we, you actually see with the device is you see instant sort of contracture of the tissue. So it's not like it's an instant result, but you, you immediately do see the tightening effect, which is really nice. Um, depending on how much energy you're delivering and how intense you do the treatment, there's varying degrees of downtime. You would see a good four to six days um, of, of some sort of downtime, whereby for the first few days you see the, the micro dots and they sort of crossed over like when you're doing an IPL treatment for pigmentation, for example. They sort of um, crossed over um, and then they sort of just slop off mm. um, probably after about seven days. And you can still use, you know, um, mineral makeup and those types of things to cover it up if you wanted to. So the downtime is about, you know, up to a week. Um, but after that, you're going to have some really, really good results on tightening. So that, that's the main reason you use it for upper and lower blefts. As for which type of patients, really anyone who has uh, that type of a, a sagging skin who maybe isn't wanting to go and have a surgical intervention for their bleph. So it's it's someone who's maybe not too keen on on being, you know, having uh, an incision and having that sort of, um, you know, stitching and, and, and scarring, I guess, that you get after it. So there's probably less downtime than you would find from having a surgical bleph or a plastic, but there is still a little bit of downtime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And could you potentially use this on all areas of the body? I know a lot of women who have like sort of breast reductions or breast lifts or, and so on, you know, having sort of uh, loose skin in certain areas of the body post-procedure or the skin quality is not quite there. Is this something that could be used, uh, I guess, indicated for those sorts of areas and treatments as well? Absolutely. Wherever there is lax skin, you can use the device. So it's good for people who have maybe some laxity around the stomach. I've seen it used on the knees and elbows. It is, again, a little bit of laxity. Um, decolletage most certainly um, so there really isn't anywhere that is contraindicated for use of the plasmage it depends on your patient and what sort of um, you know downtime that they're willing to have because again there's always a little bit of downtime with this product so what I've used what I've seen a really nice effect is when someone has um, say they have you know some some cooling or some heating technology to remove some fat through the various technologies out there and they may just have a little bit of skin laxity left so they've lost the actual, you know, they've had the fat, the fat apoptosis, they've lost the, the, the volume in the skin. They just have that crepiness and that looseness of the skin around the lower stomach area. 
rather than having a surgical intervention, the plasmage is really nice just to tighten that up. And it'll normally be just after one treatment. You know, again, depending on the amount of energy you're, you're delivering and how many, you know, micro wounds you're causing um, with, the, with the actual treatment, you get a great tightening effect just after one. So, we, and same for scarring, those types of things. So anywhere where there's loose skin, you can really use the device. Yeah. Presumably you sell RF devices as well, Nick. So yeah. why, why would you choose that over something that, you know, penetrates inside the tissue and tightens? Uh, well, they're doing two very different things. So when you're using, um, say, like our Infineer Agenius, which is RF microneedling, you're basically bypassing the epidermis entirely. Mm -hmm. um, so we're not doing anything to the epidermis. We're going into the dermis where we're causing those um, you know, micro channels with the micro needles. By delivering RF energy at the same time, you're causing coagulation zones in the dermis, which is all about collagen contracture or production of collagen. So they're, they're acting, they're skin tightening in two different, very different ways. RF microneedling is more dermal, um, bypassing the epidermis, whereas this is more of an epidermal tightening because we're not going anywhere near the dermis. Yeah. We're just causing the, the micro wounds um, very superficially. So it's all about um, denaturing the collagen protein, as we know, which then results in that tightening effect. Um, when you're doing something like um, the skin laxity around the neck, uh, for example, you can really use both products. You know, it's really this one or that one type of a scenario. The, I guess the, the benefit of something like an RF microneedling is that um, there is less downtime. You know, you're not having the, the four to seven days per se of downtime. You have a little bit of redness for half an hour to a couple of hours. By the next day, you know, you can go back to normal without a problem. Again, because we're not targeting the epidermis. So it's, it depends on... and. I guess the patient's starting point and really what sort of downtime they'd be willing to have as to which procedure they would um, like to go with. And ideally you could essentially use both if you wanted to. Yeah. That'd be a nice sort of 3D matrix type of uh, protocol. You could do more epidermal with the plasmage and then go more dermal with your RF microneedling. And that'd be a really nice effect. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of um, women post-pregnancy who, you know, have that concern of the crepey skin. And I think that getting the diagnosis right is the most important thing because often it's, you know, the muscles have split. It's not just the skin. And sometimes these things are used incorrectly, but like in the right hands, I'm sure there's definite um, applicability. My other concern was scarring and hyperpigmentation in particular skin types. Do, have you seen that uh, as a sort of a, a rare side effect? Um, the short answer is no, but it definitely is something that can happen. Again, you have to be really conscious. The way I liken is um, any device can do any sort of damage, if you want to um, call it that, based on what sort of levels of treatments they're doing. So the, to answer your question about scarring, um, you know, would we use this on, say, a, a keloid scar on a skin type 6? Probably not. You know, that's probably not something which we would want to do. But for um, a standard sort of, you know, surgical scars or definitely acne scarring on the lighter Fitzpatrick, you don't have any, any problems with hyperpigmentation. Um, so you always got to be cautious of your skin types, fives and sixes, when you're living any type of, you know, light-based energy uh, treatment. So um, it's, it's, I'd say that's really a proceed with caution type of an answer. But for your standard hypertrophic scars, not a problem at all. Um, we don't see any sort of um, negative effect with using the device. Mm -hmm. What about acne scars? Potentially, um, you know, helpful there as well? Absolutely. Really good for acne scarring. Again, because 
Um, well, depending on the type of scar and the depth, but, you know, by causing the you know, production of collagen, you're really sort of filling out those acne pits, ice pick scars, for example, or the typical acne scar. So, um, yeah, you're very, very effective for acne scarring. If, if I was to um, choose a device for someone with quite severe acne scarring, I would probably mm. go with RF microneedling, to be honest, um, because I think that causes a better result because you're penetrating you know down to 3.5 millimeters with the micro needles and also by doing several passes you're able to then have those different coagulation zones in the dermis which really is effective for plumping out those scars um so if it's for quite severe acne scarring i'd probably go more rf microneedling for probably more um more lighter or more a combination type of scarring i'd maybe go with the plasmage again it really does depend yeah. Okay. And again, I know it's probably a bit varied depending on where you are, but what's the RRP for a unit for someone who maybe wants to buy a plasmage? Yeah, it's um, 18,000 plus GST. Okay. And are there any consumables or upkeep of, of that? No. So there's no consumables with the device. Um, you can, if something was to happen to the actual needle tip, you can purchase them separately. But as a, a patient-to-patient type of a pro, uh, device, there's no ongoing consumable costs. Um, mm. And the being is that we're not actually coming in contact with the skin. Um, whereas if you have your look at your RF microneedling, the tip is penetrating the tissue, therefore there's a consumable component. What about, and I don't know if this has sort of been thought about, obviously in an era of COVID and you're creating a burn and a bit of, you know, tissue plume, any, any risk of um, that causing COVID infections or otherwise? I know there was an issue with ablative lasers and people being worried about smoke fumes, et cetera. Well, that's a good question. I think that these days from what I've seen in clinic, if people are so conscious with their um, uh, PPE when it comes to any type of plume or any type of you know, ablative uh, treatments, as you mentioned. So um, I'm not actually sure. That's, that is a good question. So I, I would say that with, with caution, it should be fine, but you would definitely have to be masked up, have a well-ventilated room, um, preferably have some sort of extraction situation going on just to be 100% sure. Um, but, you know, there's lots of other aesthetic treatments which do cause you know, some of the skin to be flying around the room per se. So again, you just have to be cautious of it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Excellent. I did have one more question, which was in, in relation to, gosh, it was, I was going to ask about the skin needling, but you've already sort of answered that in terms of you'd probably go for the needling because, because it does go deeper. Um, I guess in terms of your recovery time, I mean, what are you basically looking at in terms of, it looks like these, some of these scars can hang around, or little pigmented spots can hang around for quite a few weeks. Is that sort of the same with this device as well? Uh, with the plasmage, you mean? How mm. long is, yeah. um, really, it's just a couple of days. Right. Um, it's noticeable for a couple of days, but then it softens. But again, it depends on how intense you do your treatment. So for your, your standard sort of um, bleph or for a scar, reduction treatment using plasmage the first couple of days you do see the actual uh, dots but then it just fades and as i said they sort of just um crust over and slough off after a couple right. of days. but you can you can certainly still cover it up with um you know some makeup or whatever if you wanted to mm. um that won't that won't cause any issues with uh, the treatment and what about um, treatment time? I've looked at some of these, again, videos on, online on social media. The ones that I've seen look like they're quite sort of slow and you're sort of, you know, doing one dot at a time, you know, you sort of two hours later, you might have done the whole phase maybe. 
I mean, how, how quickly could you potentially treat like a whole face, an average size face with this sort of uh, device? Um, it, it is a lot slower of a treatment than, say, your RF microneedle. Right. Absolutely. And again, it comes down to the experience of your technician. Um, again, the amount of energy we're using. But to do, if you were doing a full face type of a fractional plasma treatment, you're looking at probably an hour and a half, to be honest. It's right. not it's not an expedious type of a treatment. And again, you have to be really cautious of, of your spacing and, and how you actually deliver the plasma. Um, you can go tighter with your your dots or you can go a bit more um, further apart depending on the area. Um, but really, it's a lot of these things come down to the experience of your clinician as to how fast the treatment is. But it certainly is a longer treatment if you're doing a larger area than doing an RF microneedling. Absolutely. Yeah, I've got to say, when I had a play, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a real problem but i was worried about symmetry you know you're doing an eyelid and then you go to the other side and you're thinking well wow uh, what happens if i don't get these contractures exactly right is one going to be higher than the other tighter than the other um different angle like is that is that a real possibility or is i just overthinking things i know it's definitely a possibility again the, the device will do what the practitioner tells it to do so that comes down to experience and training more than anything Put it this way, if you did find that you did a couple of upper blefts and one, you know, didn't quite have the the, the result that you wanted, you can just retreat the area to correct mm -hmm. it. I mean, there's there's no problem in doing that. But, um, you know, again, it, I think it comes down to also patient selection. You know, if you've got someone with really irregular um, two blefts to do, you'd have to be really conscious of how you're going to be doing that treatment to make sure it is as even as possible. If someone has, like maybe myself, just some mild um sagging um and i definitely would like to have one done i probably would only need maybe uh five or six actual plasma micro wounds for myself whereas someone with more severe laxity may have to have you know a couple of lines of actual um plasmas to be able to get the the lifting effect so it depends on your patient as well yeah. and how many sessions do people normally book in for is it at least two or can you get away with one sometimes Normally it's one, um, and then uh, for a bleph specifically, it, it'd be a one-off procedure. Um, occasionally you may have to do a top-up treatment, and you'd, you'd give it a good you know, three to four months later um, and assess the results and then maybe do a second treatment. Um, but most times for a bleph specifically, it's, it's a single one-off treatment, which is what you're after. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, moving on to your third product that we were going to discuss, it's your skin imaging device called Antera 3D. That's it. I've not actually heard of this one, but um, I've played with a few others. So tell us about it and, and why you would use it. Okay. So Antera 3D um, has been available in Australia since December last year. It's uh, manufactured by a company called Miravex. So they're an Irish company. It's very, very different to what you see in the market. So there's a few different points of difference. So obviously with the name Antero 3D, it's actually 3D image capture, which is a little bit unique. So each image that you capture with the actual handheld camera um, can be manipulated into 2D or 3D. So the image is taken in 2D and then through the software, you can then view it in 3D, which is really quite unique. Um, as I mentioned, it's a handheld device. So... With a lot of the cameras out there, you know, they're the full face type of a camera um, and they're really only ever used on the face. You know, you can't really then use that on a body part, an arm or a leg or whatever. The, the virtue of having this handheld device is it's very versatile. You can use it anywhere on the body to capture your images. 
Um, again, you have the 2D and the 3D, but what the big difference is the amount of data that can be captured. So essentially when you take an image, um, you can then obviously um, view things like the, the colour. So it tells you the skin colour of the, the skin, uh, pigmentation, redness, texture. It gives you um, information on wrinkles, folds and fold and fine lines, volume and also pores. So what it does, it gives you a plethora of different information, which, again, you can manipulate in 2D or 3D. Um, and, again, what it does, it actually gives you uh, an image capture, of, uh, sorry, a field of, of image which is a little bit smaller than your standard cameras, but it's very, very specific. Um, the other big difference is to take an image takes a couple of seconds. Um, some of the other cameras, you're looking at, you know, you, you're facing the actual device for a couple of minutes while it does all its mapping. Uh, this is like you put it onto the area, you fire. If it's um, there's no artifacts or there's no distortion, it captures the image immediately. Um, and then you can start to manipulate it through the software. So the software is really the powerhouse of this device. That's where you can view and manipulate the data as you need. Um, also, there's very low error with the device. So with most other cameras, you're looking at 15 to 20% error, picture to picture, whereas this one, it's plus or minus 5%. So it's very, very specific. So just to be clear, there might be some people listening thinking, wow, a 3D camera, but this is a zoomed in segment of your skin. It's not a 3D you know, picture of your face, but that's looking right. at the whole face. That's right. So say, for example, someone has melasma on their cheek and they're yes. coming to do a treatment protocol for that. So that's where the real virtue would be. So you can obviously take your before photo and just take a picture of the actual melasma. Yeah. What that does, it gives you the image um, and you can then say, okay, I want to look at you know, pigmentation, vascularity, texture and pores, or for example, in that area. Um, you can then flip a button and have a look at that segment of skin in 2D or 3D. Um, what it also gives you is then a score. It's an arbitrary score out of 100. Um, so it's not sort of, um, you know, um, linked up to any sort of worldwide database of, of patients or anything like that. This is individual just for that particular image. Mm -hmm. Gives you a score out of 100, which could say for pigmentation, okay, it comes out at 67. And that could mean you have, you know, late stage pigmentation, early stage dyschromia and, you know, fine telangiectasia, for example. Um, obviously, then you do your treatment, whatever that may be. Patient comes in for the next time, you take an image over the same spot, and then it marries up those two images and gives you a comparison of, of the improvement of, say, your melasma or your pigmentation, again, through an arbitrary score and, and scale. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the nice reinforcement tool to go, okay, you know, just for this particular area, I've had a 15 to 20% increase or, or decrease, rather, of redness or whatever it may be. So um, because it's handheld, how are you making sure that you're getting the same picture each time? Yeah, good question. That You, you can um, uh, line it up with landmarks. So typically what you would do, look, it, it, it's not one of those ones where it's exactly specific. Like, you, you know, if you were to do an area, say, of my cheek, uh -huh. the next image you would line it up as closely as possible, but then the software then would slightly manipulate and change the angle to marry it up to your before photo. Okay. Um, you also have the option of doing a full face type of a situation. So unlike the, the cameras where you put your face into the device, there is the uh, ability with this one that it tells you which images to take around the face and then it sort of forms a composite view of the whole face. Right. So a sort of full face image, but by taking several different images 
And then by using the software to, to marry it together, you can have a, a full-face visual perspective. Yeah. Um, what I really like about it, though, is if you're using it, say, for you know, post-filler. So I've definitely been in clinic where someone's had filler and they go, oh, I don't think it worked and this and that. So this would be really advantageous and you can take the photo of the area pre-filler and then post, put it into 3D and actually shows you the volumetric change in the tissue. So there's almost like no dispute that, okay, the filler has actually worked. Um, really nice when you're wanting to look at pores. It's always confronting. I've done a few trainings where I'll take a picture of someone who looks like they've got obviously fantastic skin and in this segment of image, there might be 400 active pores and they freak out, you know. And then, again, you can do some treatments for that and then show the decrease in the actual number of active active pores in that area. So it's those types of mm. that sort of data that you can get, which is really advantageous. Sounds like a good ego regulator. <laughs> <laughs> well, this way, it's, um, I've, been, I've been many times, I've tried it myself, um, you know, but there's a lot of people who visually have great skin you know yeah. you look at them and you go wow you know you look quite quite amazing you take a picture and they for pigmentation might have a score of 88 and they have wow. like dysphoria because so it, it, yeah it sort of it sort of gives you that 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 hidden view of what you what what your is actually underneath the skin and what we're really looking at um interestingly lutronic actually used the device in their clinical department for their before and afters right how we actually got wind of the actual device in the first place. So it's mm. very, very specific. You know, it's um, it's an eye-opener when you use the device on patient skin as to what is really happening there. Yeah. Uh, and most times it's confronting. Yeah. yeah I, I, I haven't used the, this particular one, but as a general rule, these types of cameras, they take away the subjectivity of, you know, a practitioner saying to someone, oh, you know, you've got this and that. You put them under a camera, and and there's no dispute that you're give you're given an image of your pigmentation, and like you said, it might be hidden, it might be uh, sort of going to come out in in a few months or whatever, having been exposed to sun, and then so it, it, it's not someone saying to you your skin is bad or good, it's just a number like you said, and mm -hmm. then as you implement your treatments, you can compare and sort of do an audit on your work and say, well, it actually worked. Absolutely kind of a nice tool in that respect mm. and that's really the, the the main virtue of it is I, mean, I call it like a reinforcement tool it's to it's to show your patients that okay what we're doing is working you can see again through that that score system uh, an actual percentage improvement and you can graph it and all those types of things so it it tells the patient okay i'm spending my money in the right place this clinician is doing a good job on my melasma, for example, or whatever. Um, you know, and before I stopped taking care of Victoria, I was down there a lot. And, you know, Victorians have typically, you know, paler skin, which really looks quite amazing. And it was down there that I found the most level of vascularity and pigmentation and people freaking out about the results. <laughs> you know, almost like they wouldn't believe me. So I'll take another image and I go, well, look, it is still coming out at 87%, whatever. Um because again, it is it is bypassing what you actually see visually, um, so right. it's a really nice tool for that. Yeah, mm. does it come with some fee like a psychiatry sessions um, after their assessment? <laughs> I have I have brought one person to tears unintentionally, <laughs> mind you, by taking some images, which you just couldn't believe what was actually being on screen, and I had to keep taking more and more to prove. Right. So yeah, um, sometimes you you do need a little bit of help afterwards. Yeah, um, right. But um, it's, a, it's a really nice tool. Um, what I do like about it also is uh, the report that you can generate from it. So 
essentially, let's say you take a couple of images of someone's vascularity, say if they've got, you know, matting or telangiectasia, take all that. Um, you can hit the generate report button um, and basically immediately um, generates a report in 2D or 3D, whatever you choose. And it can go um, full analysis, which then covers all of the seven or eight different parameters. Or you can just say, I just want to look at pigmentation. Mm. What you can do as a clinician or as a practice owner is also populate the report with the products of a pharmaceutical or laser devices, for example, that you recommend as your treatment protocol. Mm. So the patient then gets this nice report going, okay, this is my skin or my area after treatment one and treatment two. Um, and then by the clinician saying, okay, I recommend, say, Callison Professional or this type of uh, depigmentation cream or whatever, for example, that goes into the report along with maybe the protocol of, okay, we're going to be doing some RF microneedling to help with your skin laxity, whatever it might be. So people and patients really like to be able to get something in their hands as they leave and go, okay, this is where I'm at, this is my improvement, and I can now see exactly what this clinic is recommending I do from a cosmeceutical and a device treatment um, perspective. Mm. And, again, it's it's that nice sort of value add that you can do for your patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that you are, you mentioned right at the beginning was the error rate. You said that this device, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was about a 5% error rate and some of the other devices are about 20. What does that actually mean? When you say error rate, why, can you explain what that actually means? What it means is the specificity of the image, the accuracy. Right. So if I don't want to name the names of the other ones, but let's say there's several full-face <laughs> you can get out <laughs> Trying to be diplomatic here. Yeah. Um, you know, what the image you get from one uh, patient to the next or that same patient next treatment is literally a 20% error. So it's the, it's the accuracy of the, the image capture. Right. Um, and one of the reasons that there is a larger image um, error uh, rather or percentage error is the time it takes to actually take um, the image. Um, you know, as I said, if you take some of these uh, several minutes up to five minutes of it, it doing what it's doing to take the images with this one, um, because it's got the high-powered LEDs and the actual camera head itself, when you take the image, it's, it's again, very specific to that smaller area. And because it's taken so fast, there's less chance for error, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, which is where that plus or minus 5% comes from. Um, the other thing really to consider, as Jake mentioned, is to make sure you get exactly the right spot each time. So that's, that, again, can be part of the the um, experience of the clinician and also could be attributing to some of the error is making sure you're on exactly the same spot as you were a month ago when you did your treatment, your first treatment. I'm interested when, when you've done it for people who said my filler didn't work and, you know, I don't know, maybe put it on their cheekbone and you're like, no, 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 there's a 15% improvement in volume. Does that really matter? Because if they can't see it in a mirror, are they then convinced that they've now got this figure of 15% improvement in volume? Does it matter to them or? Probably not, to be honest, but, you know, it's it's a nice um, added tool that you can do to really show the effect and show the percentage increase. Yeah. Um, I did have one clinic um, in Melbourne when I was actually showing the device and they had exactly that. They, they were using a patient that who had, I think, a couple of IPL treatments um, as their test model while they were trialling it. So while I was in there, she also said, look, I don't think that filler worked hmm. that you did last week. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I didn't know if it did or not, but the clinician said, look, it definitely has. So then she took an image of that just to show her. 
Yeah. So I, I guess it's not like, okay, I'm proving how good a, a, a therapist I am. It's just an added thing that you can show if the patient actually wanted to ask about that. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it is valuable. I've def- I mean, it's really, really rare because normally with the before and after, you know, it's, it's plain as day to most people what has changed. But some people can't see it or at least deny that they can see it. So yeah. maybe it would be useful in that way to sort of, you know, it's, it's not me saying it, the, the camera says it. So the camera doesn't lie. Exactly. Yeah, the cam- the cam- well, cameras do lie depending on how you use them. <laughs> but uh, well, no, you're right. And look, this is really sort of alleviates that um, before and after situation where you've got your iPhone out trying to have similar lighting to the one mm-hmm. before to show this improvement, that improvement. And what I find being in doing this for a very long time is people forget what they used to look like. You know, if, they, if they've had their fifth or sixth treatment for whatever, um, you know, and they're going, oh, look, it, it did a good job. I don't know if, if, if I was that bad in the first place. Well, you know, whip out image one and show them how severe their pigmentation or whatever was, um, you know, it, again, people people can't remember what they used to look like because they get used to their new face and their yeah. new result. So yeah, yeah. it always blows me away that you can give someone a mirror 10 minutes after their filler treatment. And sometimes they can't really see what's happened until you show them the before photo. Yeah. You need that comparison to, to, to make a judgment of, of was it worth it or, or, or what happened. Exactly. Um, so yeah, photos are really important and anyone listening, I would highly advise if you can to get a proper camera rather than iPhone and proper lighting. So you're not having those variables that make it even harder in those situations where a patient can't really see the difference. Exactly. And look, it's a competitive industry out there. People want to go to someone where I guess they can AKA prove that what they're getting done and their hard-earned money is going to use. So that's why uh, a skin analysis camera that works um, is really important. Um, You know, I have some clinics who have the option, they include it as part of the consult or not. You know, they could say, okay, for an extra $20, $30, we're going to have a full you know, 3D skin analysis um, camera situation as part of your consult. Others may choose just to have, to not have it because they don't want to have those images. Um, so again, it's it's horses for courses how you want to use it. But from my rationale, if you're going to be investing in a camera, I'd be using it on every patient, um, again, to show the improvement. Another nice benefit of the device is with each camera, you get four software licenses. And again, the software really is, you know, the camera takes the image, it takes it very well, but it's the software which is the, the most important part. So with this, it means that you can put your uh, software onto four different computers, say in the clinic, and then literally move your one camera from computer to computer, clinic room to clinic room. Or you can put the software onto one networked computer for a whole clinic, and then everyone can access the patient's data from any computer. Yeah. Um, so there's several ways that you can use the software. Um, any sort of upgrades to software, we're just going through an upgrade now at the moment. That's all done automatically from Miravex through the virtues of wonders of technology. I don't understand how, but they can literally upgrade licenses and software anywhere in the world from head office. And then the clinician then starts to um, basically get the advantages of the newer software and the new features. Um, and they're really good, this company, in that you know there was a comment about, oh, can we make sure that we can have a deleted file section of the software which didn't exist so a couple of people asked for it they basically implemented that in the next software upgrade 
So they sort of listen to what the market is asking for and are able to make the adjustments as well. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and the other thing that I've noticed having worked in clinics that have these types of cameras is that it it's a great entry point for those people who you can't get converted to skin. So they come for injectables and Botox and stuff and, you know, they're just ignoring their skin. You can drop it in and say, hey, why don't we just have a look under your skin with this special camera? And suddenly people get interested because they didn't know anything about skin. And then you tell them all the parameters of redness and pigmentation, et cetera. So, yeah, I think it's useful in that way as well. Absolutely. Like I said, it can be terrifying. You take an image and then suddenly you realize what's going on. And nine times out of 10 that I've, I've fired it on someone as part of a demo, they've been completely shocked by the results, completely shocked, which for me, it's like, okay, um, it, it, it's a reinforcement that, okay, this is actually really doing its job hmm. and it's doing it well. Um, me, myself, I used it um, when I was just doing my training and for practice. So obviously my driver's side and being in Queensland is so much worse than my other side, you know, and I just wanted to sort of get that comparison and it was significant. It was marked. You know, I have more poikiloderma on one side than the other side, so I took a photo of that yeah. um, just to have a look at the amount of vascularity and actually what's happening. How much is it pigmented and how much is it just vascular? Yeah. Um, and, again, you, you start to get that, that data and you go, okay, well, it looks like I need to do this or that. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice tool to add, add to the portfolio. Um, and, again, I think, as you mentioned, Jake, most clinics should have a proper skin analysis camera, not rely on the iPhone or whatever to um for their before and afters yeah so you're now double dosing on calcium on the right side just to sort of <laughs> for that well look i've had all the product skincare um reps onto me about my skincare and my my sun protection so I've, i'm using a really nice um again a bit of a plug for the company i'm using a really nice uh medicate daily uh radiant c skincare uh or day cream which has um spf 50 in it so I've been applying more of that on my driver's side and I have noticed I'm, I'm getting less sun. Um, but, yeah, not, not, not the callosum. The callosum is even everywhere. <laughs> but definitely hmm. the sun protection, I'm much more conscious of it than I should be. And, look, or used to be rather. You know, and being of European background, I don't really sort of burn much. So, again, it's hard for me to remember to be sun conscious. But um, I've had enough people getting up me that I'm onto it now. So <laughs> Yeah. And what's the... Um I guess before we wrap up, what, what was, what's the cost of these machines? And, and I guess what is a patient looking at in terms of, you know, are they paying for these photos? Or just, I guess, part of the service that this, this uh, you know, doctor or clinician is offering um, in part of their assessment process? Yep, the, the anterior 3D is the same price as Plasmage. It's 18000 plus GST. Mm-hmm. Um, most people, will, most clinicians will incorporate it in the cost. That's how they're going to be making their money back. Right. Um, you know, I think that the ROI you find from the device really is an increase in uptake on extra procedures and skincare as a result of the images. Yeah. Uh, but again, as I mentioned before, clinics who had it, didn't have it and then they incorporated three uh, Intera they would charge an extra $20, $30 minimum um, to, to use the camera on the patient. And that's how you can start to make your money back. But mm. I think the real power of it is in, okay, showing what other types of treatments we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Now, Nick, um, final question. Where do you see the future of uh, aesthetics going? Particularly now we can't see each other. We can't go to conferences. So how are you going to communicate with new clients and customers? 
good question. I mean, based on what I've seen in my sales results, um, I'd say about 50, well, more like 60% of my sales are with new customers, which is quite significant. Hmm. I think people, the whole world of webinars and virtual and like Zoom like we're doing now, I mean, I don't think I did. I did a couple of Skypes or Microsoft team things before COVID and now I'm living on Zoom. So I think the way that we communicate is obviously very different. Um, there's less need, I think, for face-to-face for some things, which is really interesting. Um, from the product side and the device side, I think it's really going to be moving towards, as I mentioned earlier, more non-invasive, lower downtime type of treatments. That's where the market is going from what I can see. Um, you know, I've had several clinics who are opening up um, and they've purchased several devices. And the big proviso of that was, not only do I want a device that has um, a full range of treatments, so they want one machine which can do the most amount of things to save on their investment, but also they want the ability to have those, again, low to no downtime type of treatments. Um, the, you know, the traditional CO2 full face resurfacing where you're away for two weeks covered in Vaseline, looking like your face has been a meat grinder, that's less of interest now and it's more the, the no invasive. So, but yeah, I look, without conferences, I kind of miss it. Again, I like to see the, you know, the craziness of our industry and all of my friends and colleagues. Um, hopefully by next year, we're going to be getting back into that face-to-face. Um, you know, I was talking to my partner just the other day about, you know, he goes, gee, you're still selling a lot of stuff when you're living on Zoom. I said, yeah, it has its place, but nothing beats a face-to-face. Yeah. Nothing beats that interaction you get from looking someone in the eyes and talking to them and getting the body language. So, you know, hopefully things change. We'll just have to wait to see what this lovely virus decides to do to us. So, yeah. But what do, what do you think and where do you see the market going in the future? Um, similar, to be honest. I mean, well, reflecting on what you're saying about Zoom, first of all, I mean, we feel the same about the podcast. It's great to have you here and we can connect to people anywhere in the world now. So from some perspective, it's been a huge advantage. But, you know, you know having that physical connection and, meeting someone in person, having a whiskey with them in the studios and a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like you say, mo- most of our patients now, they don't want to tolerate any downtime at all. Even a bruise can be too much for many people. So, you know, despite the fact that we're offering injectable treatments, which always carry these risks, the tolerance for those things is um, getting less and less. So, yeah, the the less uh, invasive we can be, the better. And I think that's just going to continue. So maybe mm. as things get better, um, you know, facelift type procedures where people have to commit to surgery will potentially become rarer and we'll offer more in our injecting or cosmetic rooms. Mm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think cellular, cellular, um, you know, stem cells. I think we had we did a podcast with Dr. Neil Nymark uh, a few months ago during the the lockdown. Um, I actually originally found him from a really great TED talk that he did. That um, he came and chat, uh, spoke to us about stem cells, um, sort of you know injected stem cells, and I I probably think that's where we're going anti aging on a on a cellular level. And as Jake alluded to, things like uh, facelifts will probably become um, more and more, um, I guess, rare. And um, we'll start using, you know, injectables more for enhancements rather than anti-aging. I think we'll, we'll probably get a handle on it at some point in the next five to 10 years, hopefully anyway, because Jake and I are 40 in, in a month's time. So uh, that's oh, all we're hoping for. You to remind me. Bring <laughs> chickens. Jeez, I, feel, I feel like, am I the old man in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> With the best skin, however. So yeah. you do well. 
Joel Callison, baby. That's it. <laughs> well, funny enough, that's actually how um, I came across Callison originally, because when we were talking about stem cells on that podcast, I just did a quick Google and I found Callison. It was the, the world's only stem cell. Yeah. And, and that's how we got in touch with you. So yeah. well, we have to send um, you have to send Jake up some of the callus and fruit for a birthday present, so we can keep looking young. Happy <laughs> yeah. birthday, Jake! Well, it's the same as David, second of November. We're the same day, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Both Scorpios, huh? Yeah. Yes. Dangerous. <laughs> okay, I remember that. So look, um, let me talk to Kath, and you might both get a nice. <laughs> I was only joking, but sure, if you'd like to. Oh, that'd no, be no. Great. Believe me, um, don't say no to it. I'll, I'll get you. I've got some samples here, but I'll, I'll get something sent because I'd love you to try it. Yeah, um, right. And yeah, look, I, I do think you'll you'll definitely see a difference. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much. Really appreciate. Well, that. We can come back on when we're looking twenty years younger. We'll do it. We'll do a follow up. Okay. <laughs> let, let's let, let's meet back here in a year's time after we've yes. been. <laughs> sounds good. What happened to our skin? Excellent. Now, if people want to get in contact with yourself or um, advanced cosmeceuticals in general, or find find somewhere where they can buy the products, can you just give us the rundown of um, how they contact you and the company? Absolutely. So, um, you can always go through to the Advanced Cosmeceuticals website, which is advancedcosmeceuticals.com.au. Um, mm-hmm. In that, you then have uh, several different click boxes of either the cosmeceuticals themselves. All the devices like Vera medical devices for or technologies rather for plasmage or electronic mm-hmm. or anterior 3D. Yep. Um, alternatively, we do have a specific Lutronic Australia website, which is mm-hmm. um, Um Myself, you can contact me, just my name, which is ndubinan at lutronicaustralia.com.au, or you can contact me direct, which is uh, 04009115. Wow, uh, there you um, go. Great man, there you go. Only a few thousand people are going to hear this. That's okay. Well, I have no contacted. Like, if you can't reach me, SMS me or leave a message, and I'll get back. But um, okay. email is always good. But yeah. uh, definitely go back through to the advanced cosmeceutical side for a good overview of everything that we offer, um, and then it can be directed to the relevant manager from there. Perfect. Please don't and abuse Nick's number. It's only yeah, and that's a um, that's a plus six uh, one for all of the um, yeah plus six one for all of our international listeners that um, want to send uh, Nick messages and and or whatever else. So yeah, <laughs> just I'm hoping to be bombarded really soon. <laughs> okay, careful what you wish for, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. And you guys are on social media as well. I'm assuming, maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah, um, my marketing manager would probably know more than that. I'm sure we're on Instagram. I'm pretty okay. sure on Instagram. Okay. Uh, LinkedIn. Um, and to be honest, I'm not really sure. I'm a little bit of a, again, I'm on LinkedIn only. I don't have a Facebook or anything like okay. that. I'm a bit old school. Um, but um, I'm quite certain that we do have all of those. And if you were just to, to sort of Google or look up um, Advanced Cosmeceuticals or Electronic Australia, you'll find everything that you need. Perfect. Thank you for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. And I'm glad we got there in the end. It took a bit of planning. That's all right. We got there. We got there. So, um, look, I really appreciate the opportunity. I was a little bit tough to be asked. Um, very nervous, to be honest, before today. That's so right. you've made it very easy for me. So thank you. No worries. Thanks, Nick. Hopefully I wasn't lying when I said it's just a nice chat with friends. No more. <laughs> well, when you said when you said that it wasn't live, you wouldn't be that cruel. Um, <laughs> that definitely put me at ease. So thank yes. You. No, it was fine. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Nick. Um, hope business stays uh, as fantastic as it is now stay safe and um, looking forward to catching up with you in a year when Jake and I are looking much younger than we do now fantastic thanks guys I really appreciate it thanks Nick see you later bye bye see you bye 
for our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests. 